0: this is Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap. Today we're having a conversation with Pamela Hunter Smith and this is a friend of mine again who is a part of my Race and Reconciliation Book Club. She is a native of Oakland, California and she raised her both her adult son and daughter now. uh, They were raised in Vallejo, California One of the things that I've learned recently about Pamela is that she actually uh, graduated from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and received her certificate as a holistic health coach. And then also she went on to Goddard College, uh, Vermont, and obtained her Bachelor's of Science degree in Health, Arts, and Sciences. She is now returning back to school, and she's attending um, Harthorn University, and she's finishing up a graduate degree in nutrition education. Now, the reason why we really want to hear what the conversation is about today is that Pamela is basically changing lives. She not only uh, has started her own company, which is called Adult Insurance Solutions, LLC, it's an actually insurance agency that deals with the elderly. And so she is not only just talking insurance, but she's also treating some of her patients to very healthy eating. I have learned myself little things from her concerning high blood pressure and how to stay off medication, how to eat well, live well, and enjoy life. You will enjoy this conversation, so hang in there. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Bridge the Gap. This is Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap, and guess who I am talking with today? I'm talking to a friend of mine. Her name is Pamela Hunter-Smith. And we are going to talk about some wonderful stuff about health. So introduce yourself, Pamela. Well, hello. Again, my name is
1: Pamela Hunter
2: smith
0: And tell us a little bit about your journey here with health, because I'm fascinated by some of the things that you have done, both in school. I'm fascinated by the foods that you've told me about, that you cook and prepare for health. And I'm fascinated about what you do for the elderly. So tell us a little bit about how you started on this journey of health. Why health? Oh,
1: you know, at the age, I'd like to say that uh, nothing is lost in life. Experiences shape us. Hmm. And at the age of 29, uh, my whirling dervish, of a mom, suffered a massive heart attack simply two days after having a bypass surgery. Uh, Up until that point in life, uh, I used to have cheesecake for breakfast.
2: Oh, that Uh, sounds
1: good. Well, you know, I thought, well, why not? People had uh, scones and they had uh, donuts and, waffles and stuff and i've always liked to cook so that was something that i did uh, i was a foodie but when that happened life changed okay. uh, in the the ensuing years uh, of the rest of her life which unfortunately were just six years from that point uh, nutrition and health took on an entirely new meaning to me okay So that started the journey for me in terms of nutrition and overall health.
0: Okay. And then I remember you saying something about your father. So how was your father's health?
1: Well, uh, just like mom,
0: dad uh,
1: kind of withheld a lot of information from us. And um, as he was taking on a caregiver role for mom, he neglected his own health and quite by accident at a family gathering we noticed that he wasn't eating and he said well i haven't been keeping my food down oh. so my antenna went up and it's like wolves well, since how long and why did we say anything about it so uh, i being a mother can even at that young age said okay we're gonna get to the bottom of this made a doctor's appointment uh, pick him, picked him up took him only to find out that he had literally six months to live. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: Because he had allowed this to go on and not say anything and not address
0: it. So in other words, uh, not definitely eating right, but then also dealing with stress. Yeah, it, it's a lot to be a caregiver. Yeah, yeah. And I had an opportunity had to go, to go to through that twice, so. I do understand yeah. it is a difficult place to be in. It's a stressful place to be in, to be honest with you. I gained 25 pounds when I was taking care of my mother. Yeah,
2: understand. And I
0: still haven't lost it. So it's, it's a difficult place to be in. Um, and so since then, though, you have done a number of things. Um, you end up going to school to take nutrition courses. You want to tell us about how that all? Happened The The education journey. (laughs) Back back then,
1: and uh, I began to be just, I'd say pretty much nutrition, as my friends have called me, nutrition nut. Hmm. Um, Because in the back of my mind, I was remembering what we went through with my mother Mm -hmm. and deciding that I just didn't want to put my children through what I saw her go through. Uh, which was, you know, the deterioration of her health, uh, the amputation of the leg, uh, things like that were uh, as painful for us as it was for her. Fast forward in 2008, uh, I became a life and health insurance agent, and I decided that I wanted to focus on the senior market. What if I was struck with the number of people that I would encounter over and over that would come to the table uh, where we met with bags, literally bags of pills. Okay. Okay. Over and over. And in most cases, they say, well, Pam, I'd I do more or I'd do something different if I knew what to do to get off of these pills. Then uh, after a pretty short amount of time, I realized I wanted to learn more so that I could be a better resource to them and of course to my family and my friends. So I entered a program graduated from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and was certified as a holistic health coach.
2: Oh,
1: okay. Which was not to practice, I knew then. I really wanted the information Mm -hmm. so that I could, again, become an even more valuable resource. Uh, I felt at that time I learned just enough to be dangerous. So (laughs) then I took it, that next step and entered um, a degree program with, uh, in health, arts and sciences at Goddard
0: College. Okay. okay. And took it another step. Okay. You know, this is interesting as I sit and listen because we do things and we don't have a clue sometimes how God is actually directing us. And so um, you went in to sell insurance but then while there, he started exposing a need that his children has. Right. And unfortunately, we do not seek information we don't know exist. And so as you went through it with your mother, even though that was not a good time doing your journey, God was still preparing and okay. getting your attention. And do, do you think you ever would have gone down this path if you didn't get the attention that you needed to give to your mother's health and your father's health? You know,
1: I, I know that what I went through during that very difficult time really set me up. Okay. It, it did, because it, it, it shaped and it informs how I do business now. Okay. You know, the passion that I have to help others, literally, I am in some small way uh, giving back to what I wish we would have had. Mm-hmm. At the time, my mother had just gotten on to Medicare. Okay. Uh, and we had no resource, we, we didn't know how the system worked, we didn't know questions to ask. Mm-hmm. And certainly there was not the information available about even though she was a type two diabetic. Uh, at that time, even now there's people that think it's a life sentence. You know, that there's nothing you can do that it's going to progress regardless of what you do. And that's absolutely
0: not true so did so, she yes. have any challenges with even pre-existing because i know before affordable care act that was something we all had to be concerned about with the various insurance companies oh yeah absolutely yeah so i'm, I'm hoping that what we will keep in place in the united states is that we will not have issues with pre-existing stuff anymore because um, I know that we have gone, we vacillated about what we want to do about affordable care or what we want to do about insurance and what we want to do about Medicare insurance in the United States, which is a shame. And that's a whole nother, (laughs) that's a whole nother subject. It definitely is. I mean,
1: that's, that's a very sticky, sticky point for a lot of people, but I remember the industry before the Affordable Care Act, and most people don't understand what was allowed to happen before it. They just, you know, hear or complain about the cost of the premiums, but they don't know. I mean, even myself, I have been a member, I don't know if I can mention the name, um, of a large uh, HMO organization for years, but when I became fully self-employed and had to ensure as an individual, they wouldn't take me because I wasn't a part of the group because of the pre-existing condition
0: issue. You know, that's that's interesting because when the Affordable Care Act first came out, I have a son who for what we call Covered California, which is the Affordable Care Act in California.
2: And I remember
0: him coming home, or not coming home, but calling me, and talking about his day. And his day was so difficult because most of the calls he received were still understanding insurance the way it was. And so he would even have to take walks on his breaks from the phones because the people were so irate and once he was able to calm them down and explain Affordable Care Act and what it did cover and pre-existing was no longer an issue, some of the people literally cried on the phones. Yeah, absolutely. And the sadder thing is that I think it became so political that we purposely, politicians purposely tried to make that out to be a bad insurance And even today, and I didn't realize this until recently, that there's still about six or seven states that never adopted affordable care. Right. I didn't know that. (laughs) So there are cousins that I have in some of those states that don't have insurance now, and they are self-employed. So anyway, but going back to, to what you're saying here is that Our health is important regardless of whether we have insurance or not because it's only one of (laughs) us. And and so you have gone back to school, so tell us a little bit about that. Oh, let's see. You're talking about the next
1: leg? Yes. (laughs) Well, I have, uh, you know, even though I don't, I didn't get my training to, again, become a, a consultant, but over uh, almost daily, the discussion or top, the topic of nutrition or health comes up in just dealing with my clients. Okay. And uh, I entered the master's program with Hawthorne hmm, probably three years ago. Okay. And put it on pause because I wasn't sure the why. You know, what am I doing this for? We're not going to do it for income. It was when I got a little bit more clarity uh, on the next phase of life for me. Okay. That I
2: thought, ah, that's where I need the
1: additional training. And that training will be
2: the area of nutritional uh, education.
0: Okay.
1: And I think I've shared with you a, a snippet about it, but my my vision is to, uh, we're talking about bridging gaps. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in the senior community, what i found is that there are people worked all of their lives but for one reason or another maybe it was their income maybe they became disabled at an earlier age so they weren't able to fully plan financially for retirement but they're low income and they live on a very small uh, maybe it's social security only
2: maybe it's social security and a teeny teeny little pension there are resources for a lot of those people
1: in terms of housing. Uh, they have the ability, albeit maybe, may take a couple of years to get into subsidized housing. There's waiting lists for that. But then at the other end of that spectrum, you have people, uh, a lot of married couples, higher income. They've done uh, a better job of planning for retirement. They're able to live in either their own home or an assisted living or independent living environment, but that takes a good four, five, six thousand $6,000 a month. Then there are those people in between. I call them the gap senior. The gap senior may be a single person, maybe a couple, they either maybe life happened, <laughs> and they weren't able to keep what they'd set aside or plan for their retirement. Mm-hmm. They maybe their whole income is not four, five to six thousand that it takes to live in mm-hmm. most of the I'll call them the upscale independent living environments. Okay. What, what do they do? So my next chapter. In my next chapter, I plan to create uh, a uh, healthy living environment that is affordable, uh, not subsidized, but affordable, uh, that will be based on a communal living style.
0: Oh, really? This is very interesting
1: and so i plan to uh, bring that educational piece mm-hmm. uh, into the communal living environment because what i found is talking to people uh, for example i have a friend that was member services manager for one of the hospitals and when people came in and
2: had issues she would
1: address them Well, she mentioned to me one time that her husband got a report, medical report, that shook him and he was told that he had to uh, eliminate meat in his diet. Okay. okay. And she knew that both of them needed to make some changes, but the first question was, okay, what what do we eat
0: now? We're so used to eating meat. (laughs) Yeah, what what is there to eat now? Yes, we eat sandwiches. Meat is in sandwiches. (laughs) And what I
1: find with most people when they're trying to make changes, either because they want to, or in most people's cases, because they've been told they have to, they don't know what to do. Okay. So finding those uh, you know, answering those questions. Uh, how do you make vegetables taste good?
2: Uh, what are the
1: recipes? And you know, I didn't grow up eating like this. And, and what would, you know, how do I do it? So I'm going to take that kind of training because I also love to cook. Oh, and okay. I have uh, taken that and used it and volunteered that uh, for others. And
0: they've changed their palate now that they know other things that taste good as well. This is really interesting because as we talk about bridging gaps, um, one of the things I was gonna ask you but as I, as I was listening to you and thought about it, I said, okay, first I was gonna ask you, so are you seeing a particular, uh, say race of people that are in the gap? first of all. Uh, but it sounds like in this day and age, that could be a combination of a number of people. Because, yes. because I would say the same thing, and I have said the same thing, <laughs> that how do I make vegetables taste good without meat? Uh, I'm used to at least using smoked turkey to season my vegetables. And so to talk about not using meat at all that is a real shift for most people oh yeah absolutely so um when we think about mind body spirit and soul uh i have heard but i don't you know i've only heard because i haven't done any studying but i've heard that those who are eating less meat actually think more clearly is that something that Uh, has been mentioned in some of the nutrition schools and classes and courses and things that you have taken by taking more meat out of your diet?
1: Oh, wow. Hmm. Well, you know, what we eat uh, becomes us. Okay. (laughs) And uh, the brain is one of the biggest uh, consumers of what we eat. Oh, absolutely. So what we eat okay. impacts every single cell,
0: and most certainly our brains. Okay. Here I was thinking it just affected my stomach the most, but it affects my it affects my brain too. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I, I don't quote me, but I think it's something like 30 percent
1: of the energy that's created within us goes to the
0: brain. Okay. So we're learning all kinds of things here today, Then I know uh, if we were to start talking specifics, I know you have a garden. And so why do you have a garden and what types of things do you have in there? Oh, let's see, I have a
1: garden uh, because it is the cheapest, most economical immensely fun way to eat organic food. Okay. Uh, there's something special about walking out in your own backyard okay. and snipping something and going right back inside, rinsing it off, and either eating it right then and there, like I do with my mint, um, oh, really? or sauteing it or adding it to this, that, and the other.
0: So, that in itself is like a pleasure. It's a. Uh... Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So that's good for the mind. We know that. <laughs> yes, food for the body and food for the mind. mind. Okay. Uh, now, why, Tell me about the mint. Why is it that you will eat the mint? Why? Uh, it's good for the digestive
1: system. Okay. And my daily favorite drink is uh, fresh sliced ginger. Okay. Uh, with a nice fresh sprig of mint. Okay. And so it, not have, it's, it's the most refreshing drink, but it's also good for the, uh, I'll call it the gut, <laughs> the, okay. the microbiome.
0: Okay. Your stomach likes it. Okay. Yeah. And this is whether you're doing it like a hot tea or whether you're just drinking it in, in plain water. Yeah, I just like it in plain water. Okay. okay. Yeah. So good for the gut good for the gut and good for digesting okay that's one
1: of my go-to's uh i have things that i like to cook with okay Uh, i wanted to plant things that i'll use so my thyme my rosemary my sage um, i'm finally learning
0: how to grow cilantro which was a challenge Uh, but now, cilantro, talk about that because some, so many people talk about that they are allergic to it, so what, what is the deal with cilantro? That Really, I haven't heard, uh, but you know, I haven't heard it. You know, like some restaurants even will specifically call it out that they do not have cilantro in whatever dish. Wow. Uh, so and then others of course just included but most will call it out so i yep. wasn't sure is it that 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 many people are are allergic to it or it? i have not heard that to me it's okay. like varsity okay, so, okay. but cilantro so what what kind of benefits do you do you from the cilantro, or is it just mostly spices for your well, I use it for spices? The question about benefits, that would be a question for my oldest granddaughter. Okay, okay. <laughs> Tell us about your oldest granddaughter. But she's she's studying to be an herbalist. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so so she's learning all about those different herbs. Yeah, actually, it's funny,
1: we'll talk sometimes at night when she's studying and she shares something and interesting with me, and I just chuckled because uh, of course, you know, I started all of them out trying to get them to embrace health (laughs) and uh, vegetables. Okay. it worked with a couple of
0: Mm -hmm. The other ones, they're still on the journey. Okay, so two of your grandkids are vegans. Some are still considering.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the other ones are still coming along. Um, but they all know how to juice. Oh, good, good. That's something they all enjoy.
0: What types of things uh, do you juice that you feel is most helpful with your, say, just maybe your day? Because I know you're a very busy person, and so if you're very busy and you want to juice something that's kind of of giving you energy and health and all of that at the same time, what type things would you juice? in the morning? So I have a standard that I do,
1: but it really depends on how I'm feeling, you know, how much okay. energy I, I need. Okay. But my uh, my everyday juice is, uh, I'll usually use uh, apple. Okay. Uh, green or uh, the pink lady, uh, or maybe some both. Okay. okay. Uh, cucumber, organic, organic okay. apples, uh, Lime, I love lime, so I have to have a lime, I have to have ginger, uh, I have to have a turmeric
0: root. Now, are you mixing these things in one juicing? Is that one uh, yep. you're mixing all of this together? So, yep. turmeric uh, and the lime, so is yep. that like a whole lime or just half of a lime? Because lime is to me pretty potent. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I, uh, you know, it. To, to make
1: a, a nice what 16 ounce for me, I'll use two apples, uh, decent sized cucumber, okay. um, a whole rind, about an inch worth of um, ginger, okay. a strong turmeric root because that's super strong. Okay. Uh, turmeric. I will throw in a teeny bit of pepper in there because okay. that helps with the absorption of the
0: turmeric and then a couple of carrots and I'm good. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. That's that's, a, that's an energy boost for sure. Okay. And this is an everyday type drink? Oh yeah,
1: when I'm really hungry, I will take that, put it in my Nutribullet, add a handful of greens that I either have just gone outside to pick or gotten from the freezer I'll throw in some sea moss.
0: Uh, oh, tell us about sea moss. What does that do?
1: So sea moss is a source of uh, minerals. Okay. And it's said to have almost what a hundred different uh, minerals. So about a tablespoon of that, it's filling as well.
0: Now, where and are you getting where are you getting the sea moss?
1: I buy it from an online store. Okay. Uh, and that's a referral of my granddaughter. She okay. found it okay. and uh, it's, it's one of the best, cleanest um, as they call it, wild crafted sources of sea moss and they donate a portion of each sale to a non-profit. So okay. that's another reason why I like them but the okay. product to me is top notch. Fiber is important too though so when I have that extra time to add the greens and sea moss, I keep uh, flaxseed and chia in the refrigerator. Okay. And so I'll add that and whip that in for, for the fiber
0: that I'm not getting because I'm using. Oh, really? So how, how does the seeds, do they blend in uh, with oh, the right rest here. of everything? Don't taste them. You don't even know they're there. Oh really, okay, okay. My sister actually mentioned to me Chia, and I do have some of that. I haven't been using it, but I do have some, so. um, Yeah, keep it in
1: the refrigerator as well as your flaxseed.
0: Okay, and then she also had mentioned pumpkin seeds. Do you you use that at all? Yep, I do. What is that that good for? Well, if if
1: you have, it's a good fat like walnuts, like almonds, as
0: opposed to you putting in fat fat. Okay, okay. So then you're using nuts, it sounds like, as well. You just mentioned almonds and walnuts. You Mm -hmm. throw those into some of your drinks sometimes.
1: Yeah, right again, it just depends on, that's how I cook. I cook based on how I feel, so. Okay. (laughs) In, in the, I'm one of those. Sometimes what if you don't
0: I'm ever cooking. feel like cooking? <laughs> I love, to cook. I love to No, cook. I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> oh, that, no. I, I, that's
1: where I create. I, I create in the kitchen. Okay. And so, like I said, I'll wake up sometimes with a recipe in my mind, really? and then I'll create it. And it's like, oh, this
0: is wonderful. Now, you're also, do you sometimes prepare for your senior, your clients, your, uh, that have become friends, I'm sure, your, um, insurance clients that you meet, or, or are you just cooking for people that you know? Well, you know,
1: it started with my mom's, um, illness. She was unable to cook. Okay. And up until that time, I was just, you know, cooking for for my kids and, and, and mm-hmm. spouse at that time. But when that occurred, uh, I would cook and either go to their house and cook or cook and bring food to them because my dad was, uh, he was still running his business okay. trying to take care of her, which is why he burned out. Um, so that's when I started cooking for others, so to speak. Okay. Throughout the years, that just developed and developed, and uh, I started cooking for, believe it or not, nonprofits.
0: Really? Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I have a girlfriend. <laughs> her nonprofit is now 11 years old, and I've done most of her events, her okay. anniversaries, okay, pretty large scale things. Um, because it was fun to me. It's been fun to me, and. When people allow me to cook, it allows me to be creative. And it's another form to me of love. Okay.
0: You know, I'm able to so you my expressing, you're expressing who you are. Yeah, basically, right. So with, uh,
1: it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing for me to be able to do that. Uh but yes, to answer the specific question, when I started in the insurance business, we were allowed to invite people to meetings okay. and feed them, so instead of having events at restaurants, okay. I would have events at senior apartment complexes. Oh, okay, and I would cook. Uh, okay. but unfortunately, that next year the government uh, oh curtailed that. <laughs> so that ended, but I can continue to cook uh, for nonprofits. For- uh, in the last several years, the man that brought me into the insurance business, uh, who had been, uh, who still is dealing with diabetes,
2: oh. about 11 years ago, he called me and, and
1: said he had just uh, been admitted to the hospital that next the day before. Turns out that he had been, I think at that time he had 17 eye surgeries. Okay as a result of complications from type 2 diabetes. Really? So I asked him, you know, well, what caused the problem? Because he had to be rushed to the emergency. Luckily, his wife was home. They sent him home, told him that as soon as they got his sugar under control, he was going to have to be on insulin for the rest of his life.
2: That was a wake-up. Even though he had
1: dealt with type two diabetes, he had not gotten that scared of having to shoot himself up for the rest of his life. He got on the phone, he said, you know, once we were talking, okay, what do I need to do so that I don't have to use insulin? Mm -hmm. I devoted the next couple of months to really teaching he and his wife how to eat.
2: Really?
1: From that point to now, he has never had to use the insulin vial that he keeps in his refrigerator to remind himself that that could have been what he had to do. Now, I just gave him some some training,
0: but the work he really put in. So, it sounds like you're even seeing fruit from what you've been doing even before you have gotten to this point of going back to school to work on your graduate level degree yeah absolutely. I, out of curiosity what types of things did you suggest for them to do well
1: i'll bring you to the current time okay about uh, four months ago he called me again he said i need your help again he said i was just told that i am stage four kidney disease so he said, now I need to know what to do different. So immediately what we did, I said, okay, we're gonna have to take you off of all animal protein, okay? which he was willing to do. And so um, initially it was like, again, now what do we do? <laughs> you know, what do we eat? So to take all of that away from them, I said, okay, I'm going to bring you items to eat. I want you to tell me what you like, what you don't like, but there's not gonna be any meat, okay? You're not gonna have to figure anything out. You just have to eat and tell me, you know, give me feedback. So again, that was about four months ago. Okay. Well, the first month, there was not a lot of change, but the second month, he called me, guess what, guess what, guess what? Uh, It's reversing, it's going in the right direction. So now um, he's kind of on track. I just go in twice a month. I cook up like a whole weeks of food. I label it, Uh, they supplement with other things that they cook and he has a cousin who's a vegan.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So she helps out. But currently he's on absolutely no medicine for wow. diabetes, mm. his, uh, his uh, kidney function is getting better. Okay. Uh, and both of them are 80. So <laughs> it's, never, it's never never makes, too late to make changes, to make adjustments and see difference.
0: And so the, this then, no protein for him, but right. then I assume vegetables. Are there particular vegetables or particular herbs or teas? Oh yeah. And, or... and, and
1: honestly, I didn't know because I've never dealt with you know kidney. Uh huh. So I did some research myself. I asked Mr. Google. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, Mr. Google, told <laughs> who knows me, everything?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: knows everything. Um, red bell peppers are really? good for the kidney. Mm. Uh, so all of the things, I made a list of what
0: um what is Mr. good,
1: good phone and uh some of the dialysis centers have some really good information on their websites um, so i made a list of what he should have and what he shouldn't have okay and so what i cook for them is based on all of those should haves
0: you know uh this is interesting because My mother and my brother had high blood pressure. Uh, You know me, so I'm the heaviest ever in my family. Uh, My mother probably weighed 115. Uh, And I used to say, I don't understand (laughs) why you guys have high blood pressure. I mean, it's not as though you're overweight because you're not. Then I thought, well, I guess my mother does cook cakes and cookies and things. But I I didn't see them eat that much of it because if they had, they would have been overweight. And what I noticed when I started, you know, going home, flying home to check on them every so often, one of the things that they were eating were potato chips. (laughs) And drinking Coke. And so what I realized in my family, because even for myself, if I eat potato chips, my blood pressure goes up. Yeah. And uh, then another thing they would eat was bacon. They loved bacon, they loved ham. And so I had gone without eating ham and bacon for actually several years, probably 20, until I brought my mother to my house to take care of her. And she would only want to eat like ham and bacon and you know, these things. And um, I realized from that, when I started having high blood pressure, like, wait a minute, so it's actually coming from the food. Because they're not overweight people. Uh, My mother was passed away when she was 96 years old. So she lived a long life. She was always very active. Uh, And my brother was very active, and so I used to wonder, like, how do they keep, (laughs) you know, not diabetes, they never had that, but how do they keep high blood pressure when they're small people? So I think, I'm saying all this to say this, we really do need to pay attention to what we eat. And unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of just information sitting there. It sounds like you're digging for it, even... From person to person, as they, as anyone identified this is the issue I'm having, you're having to go out and research that. You but, have to,
1: and here's the thing that most people don't get, is I'll, I'll speak to people and I'll say, well, why did my doctor tell me this? Well, yes. Well, <laughs> the truth is, your doctor, like most other doctors, has possibly had a few weeks of training in nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I understand that when it comes to the test that they all have to pass, there's no questions on it about nutrition. Mm-hmm. So your doctor can't tell you what they don't know. You know, they're they're trained in drugs, yes. <laughs> in pharmaceuticals. Yes. They're trained to triage sick people. They're not trained to help people understand to listen to your body mm-hmm. because your body really will tell you if something's working for you or not like you and I were talking last week and I was telling you that you know when when you became hungry after your stomach settled, mm-hmm. after drinking the ginger and the peppermint mm-hmm. you'll know when it's time to eat because your body's going to tell you We are not taught in our culture Mm -hmm. to listen to our bodies because our bodies will tell us. You know, pain is an indication there's a problem. Yes. And instead of taking something to tell the body to just be quiet, you
0: know, Mm -hmm. go to sleep or, you know, just. And that's when our prescription drugs are telling us, be quiet.
1: Yeah, they they trick the body instead of what, what, is, you know, what is it that you're trying to tell me, and where is it, and what, do, what adjustment do I need to make?
0: You know, that actually brings me to a crossroads of, of what to do. I'm one that I've never liked taking medication. And so when I came up with high blood pressure, uh, I have driven my doctor crazy because for two years I was actually off of high blood pressure medication uh, because I was trying to change my diet to eat more vegetables, uh, try to throw a little walking in there. And, uh, and so now it has returned, but I think there are several reasons why that has happened. One of them is that I started eating chips again as. You know, just pigging out on chips on when stress and different things coming up, you just start, you know, eating. And when I do a lot of reading and writing and all of that, sometimes I'll just start using, unfortunately, things to just snack on. And so I'm trying to get to a point where I'll snack on nuts more than I'll snack on, you know, chips or something like that. But then sometimes I just crave the salt but one of the things i think i've learned from you because you've been trying to help me with the high blood pressure here lately and uh, one of the things that you told me to do which i did not know is that you could actually take a bath which i know in itself baths and i have actually start doing that instead of showers because they do relax you more but the other thing you told me to do is add epsom salt yeah so and that actually helped a lot uh, with reducing my uh, blood pressure. And so what I wanted to do is mention a few things and just see what would you suggest for that? Like for instance, since we're on high blood pressure, are there things that you have found have been helpful to either you or maybe some of your clients other than just the bath with the Epsom salt, but uh, reducing salt, but other than that, are there other foods particularly that you would suggest for reducing high blood pressure? Because that's a key thing, especially in the African-American community.
1: So I might have to disappoint you at this point. uh, (laughs)
0: uh,
1: I I am not a clinician. I know uh, that. (laughs) And and, and, and what I learned early on, starting with my training at uh, IIN, was that each of us is, uh, they have a concept called bioindividuality. Okay. Okay? And, and so what works for one person may not necessarily work for another. Okay. And my philosophy really is health means balance. Okay. And when we're uh, not balanced, is when ill health or disease Mm -hmm. rears its ugly head so the key for anyone is to look at their life not just the food that's going into their mouth but what are you looking at you know what are you listening to Mm -hmm. and also what's important is what are you telling yourself you know what words are you repeating all of that goes into who we are okay. and whether we are balanced mm-hmm. or out of balance. Okay. So if you're out of balance, maybe your relationships,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's really not going to be counterbalanced by you eating a bunch of grains.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> because- Green's. I have collars Barring. and turnips. I told you I might disappoint you, <laughs> but
1: if, if you're fine yourself, for example, uh, and I'm a nibbler, okay, I like to munch. So I've learned that when I munch on, I have to prepare
0: in advance so that I'm not running and grabbing okay. something just because oh, good. you know I want to
1: munch or maybe you know. So I'll prepare things in advance, and that, that's a tip. Uh, okay. Make sure you create your healthy munchies so that all you have to do is just go grab them and then start munching. Okay. And that healthy munchie might be like, I know I don't buy hummus anymore, Okay. because I make it.
2: Oh, okay. okay.
1: So I'll make hummus, keep it in the refrigerator for the week. I've got my 80-year-olds, they're hooked on my hummus. Okay. Really? I take them hummus. I take them uh, flatbread. and Oh, my uh,
0: goodness.
1: I roast them. <laughs> if you want something that is a snack, that's almost like candy, I kid you not, is I use a new wave. I prefer a new wave that's like a roaster instead of the microwave. Okay. I'll take a carrot out, clean it up, you know, just rinse it, and maybe, you know brush it off and throw it in the new wave, nothing on it. 15 minutes, wrap it up in foil, it is like candy.
0: So talking, so when you stuff. say new wave, is that like an air fryer or?
1: You know, what you is- could probably use an air fryer, but it uses infrared. Raised. Okay. So, it but it's easy.
0: supposed to be more healthy than the microwave. Is that what you're? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not as
1: quick as a microwave, but it's not as slow as as the oven. Oh okay. You can kind of, if you have an air fryer, you can use the same thing. Okay. So I I do that. I roast uh, red bell peppers again. Oh. Okay.
0: Sweet,
1: nothing on them. Throw them in there, slice in. Roast them up. Great snack.
0: What do you put on the red bell peppers, though? Do you do you just the raw bell pepper? You don't put anything on it, no sauce, no nothing.
1: You need no sauce. I'm telling okay. you, I've I've um um uh, I don't do well with tomatoes, mm-hmm. so I've learned to make a, a spaghetti sauce, so to speak, using
0: roasted red bell peppers.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. I do like red bell pepper.
1: Yeah. So that's. Just so if you're a snacker like me, just change up your snacks,
0: okay? So roasted bell pepper instead, and then you make hummus. How do you make your hummus? Uh, I, I make it without oil, uh, oh. so
1: uh, and you wouldn't know the difference, I'm telling you, you wouldn't know the difference. But I uh, chickpeas, you know, okay, uh, garbanzo's chickpeas, okay. either I'll cook my own or just. In a can and what's the um, garlic, okay. garlic? Um, what's it called? Hmm. Shoot. Cumin. Oh, okay. Cumin. Cumin. Cumin gives it that flavor. of Lemon. The juice of a lemon.
2: Okay.
1: Um, I use a sea salt. For minerals and I use like a quarter of what the recipe would call for. Okay. So not, not much. Okay. And I'll usually throw in some roasted red bell pepper in mine Okay. Uh, with a little bit of uh, the uh, garbanzo juice. Okay. Whip it up in the NutriBullet. It's good, it's done.
0: Now do you do your own flatbread?
1: A lot of times I will, yeah. <laughs> But I found the Greek bread at sprouts, and... Uh, you see, I'm over here holding my
0: hands up. <laughs>
1: it's the thing. But yeah, when I make my own flatbread, I like East Indian food, and that's okay. one of the cuisines that i cook. And okay. um, not only do I like it, but a lot of uh, their recipes, their foods, are uh, vegetable, or vegan.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, so I, I do a lot of East Indian cuisine
0: and of course Haitian. Okay, so the hummus and the flatbread is not only good tasting, but it's good for, is it good for any particular areas that somebody might be having issues with in their health? Well, medicinal, I couldn't address that, but okay. it's
1: a source of protein, and you've got the garlic, which is a natural uh, antibiotic, uh, you've got lemon, which is a source of vitamin C. So you got some good stuff in there. Okay. And the roasted red bell pepper is a great source of vitamin C. And it's good. Your kidneys
0: like it. Okay. So then I'm going to ask you one other one. Um, acid reflux, which is something that uh, especially, well, I've heard that a lot of people actually, at first I was hearing that uh, many African-American women's specifically were dealing with acid reflux but then I know that's something my father dealt with Uh, but then I've also heard other people not just African Americans that talk about acid reflux so what are your thoughts about that as far as maybe foods that would help in getting rid of that or at least helping it to subside somewhat Uh, I hate to hear that
1: uh, the rumbling of the stomach is thrown <laughs> in to that category. You know, oh, you have got burps, you've got gas. Yeah, yeah. You know, take this pill. Yeah.
0: And
1: what the reality is is, as we age, we don't make as much of the stuff that it takes to break down the foods. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the reality. And so when maybe when you were 25 and eating certain things, it didn't bother you. But now that you're 55, those same things cause some rumblings. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what is that rumbling about? If it is about what it's usually about is that you're just having trouble digesting it. It's not that you have too much acid, It's that you don't have enough okay so the key is how do you get more of the
2: stuff that you need to help dissolve the food well you usually do that by adding enzymes Mm -hmm.
1: and or something called uh, methane or hydrochloric acid simple not a prescription over the counter works in most cases you take your enzymes before you eat you take your betaine
0: after you eat no trouble again no drugs okay well interestingly enough i did order my enzymes and hopefully they will be here today (laughs) and so that i'm hoping will help because that's something that i have started to deal with and i know i have a son who deals with that Um, His case is, I think, even worse than mine. But uh, I was at a point of trying to decide, is this just something we inherited and so we just can't get rid of it? But uh, after talking with you and and talking about the enzymes, I went ahead and ordered my enzyme so I can take that. Of course, the doctors have a prescription for it, but I actually just do not want to take it. I actually don't even take Tylenol. I, I hate taking medication period. Uh, and so I'm at a point too where I'm trying to do better with the health uh, as an eating right. So that's why I have gone ahead and planted my little turnips and collards and I have a few carrots now coming up. I have a few roots, uh, not, uh, the root well the stems of beets that are coming up because I do love beets. Uh, and so just other things. I want to ask you about one other thing and that's garlic. Uh, because I ordered some garlic the other day, uh, because I don't go to the stores anymore. <laughs> and when the guys brought the garlic, it already had the little green stems coming out. So if I were to plant that in my yard, is that going to be odorous? Or should I just keep buying it from the store? Meaning. Have an odor in my like garlic in my backyard.
1: No, no, in fact use
0: it because I
1: understand it's also a deterrent for some bugs. I'm learning how to deal with bugs in my garden and uh yeah, garlic. I was just saying I need to start planting some garlic and I do have plenty really but no you're you can just stick your, your bulbs in the ground.
0: Just the piece that is has the little green stem coming up.
1: Just plant them? Yeah. yeah. Take take your, your bulb, and you know the little cloves? Use mm-hmm.
0: those and just pluck them in the ground. Okay. Okay. Because I wondered about that because I, I love garlic and I've started using yeah. garlic in a lot of things. Oh, and I do have one last question. Is it possible that if we continue eating the same type of foods over and over, can that cause an issue? Because I use now, I use lots of garlic uh, in almost everything, whether I'm fixing a meat dish or a vegetable dish. And then I'm using onion a lot in whatever. Uh, And so carrots, I don't think it's going to hurt. But I do use carrots a lot. And I'm starting to integrate greens. Like I made a, a, a lasagna the other day. And really it's more of a vegetable lasagna, but I had just a little bit of turkey meat. Uh, But you probably couldn't find it if somebody made you find it. (laughs) It's mostly vegetables, but I do eat kind of the same type things over and over and over. So, could that also be some type of hindrance that the body gets to a point where it has too much of the same thing? Well, you're not going to OD on vegetables, okay? Okay.
1: However, you do need to eat a variety to eat a variety they say that your plate should look like a pitcher okay you know all of the colors With all the as, colors yeah as, as as many colors as possible uh, will be the variety that we need which in most cases that's not what we do it's difficult to do unless you're going to a salad
2: bar yes for you know, yes. three
1: meals a day but as as much as possible try to make your plate uh, look like a picture. Okay, okay. Well Pam. You know what, Shirley, let me just mention this. Okay. The thing about heredity, uh, years ago, I had a doctor, and the last time I saw him, we were talking about high blood pressure, and he made a comment to me about uh, that, well, just kind of the inevitability of me getting quote what my parents had mm-hmm. without even considering changes you know i didn't have the same lifestyle that my parents had but he wasn't hearing it right and uh, like i said that was the last time i saw him that i fired him as my doctor <laughs> because the science says that genes are the seeds okay they give us the seeds of our health but what you do what you eat the amount of movement in other words your lifestyle your environment hmm. they provide the water okay they provide the soil for those seeds okay so they are literally more important than who your parents are, who your parents were. So that's really a a key piece to health, is understanding that even though mama and daddy had high blood pressure and diabetes, Mm -hmm. there's that's not a sentence. You know, you don't have to accept that as your fate.
0: It's what you do. Yes, I see. That matters. Well, Pam. I'm sure you have enjoyed this very informative conversation with Pamela Hunter Smith. She is so full of great ideas and things uh, about the health that will keep us off pills or prescriptions. Uh, So, herbs, teas, how we eat what we eat is so important for our mind, body, spirit, and soul. So I have a thought here on Bridge the Gap that you have learned a lot today. And I would like to leave you with this one thing that I learned from blackdoctor.org. So it's just blackdoctor, one word, .org. And on there, they talk about the value of putting pineapple in your water. And so it says it fights inflammation, it helps weight loss, it flushes parasites from your liver and your intestines. Also, it regulates the thyroid, it balances electrolytes, and it helps with digestion. So this is really amazing, the things that our natural foods can do for our body. I have a thought. You're going to do something different today in your diet that's going to improve your life. Be blessed. This is Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap. In your health.